code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 22nd, 2009. For newcomers, I always suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and you'll have uh, quite a time downloading hundreds of talks I've given in the past where I try to fill in a lot of the blank pieces of history and let you know what's really going on and to show you that the world in the future is always planned by those who own the present and the same characters, of course, controlled and owned the past as well, because money rules the world. And those in money and high finance and high uh, positions of interbreeding down through generations don't let it go. They don't let it out of their hands. They don't share it. But they do have a plan, and the plan is not terribly nice. And it's all about population reduction to a planned society, which they, of course, will have managed for them by their, their, their front men, basically. That's what it's, it's simply all about. So I give you a lot of the data from the big boys themselves. I don't use a speculation. I use uh, the stuff that's put out by themselves in their own biographies and in their own magazines and in their own publications. That's the best, the best source of information. You don't have to go into conspiracy. You're just going to go into the United Nations, for instance, look at who founded it, the people who staffed it from the beginning, even when it was called the League of Nations, and you go on from there. It all comes together, and they're all uh, basically connected. All these people are connected at all times, down through time, basically. You can also see on the front page of cuttingthroughmatrix.com all the other sites I have. Bookmark them for future use because I do get problems with the main servers. They, they never figure out what's wrong. They just uh, After about two weeks of having me down, they just suddenly fix it, and they can't explain what happened. It's just one of these things that happens all the time to me. And it's the same thing with, as I say, even the satellite server, ExploreNet. They have me on what they call a lock. So if I try to upload what they claim is too much, they simply stop me from uploading, and it goes dead. And I had another argument with them last night. You wouldn't believe what goes on here. And uh, they admitted again, oh, you're using too much bandwidth. I said, well, you never had this explained when I signed on with them. It's bad for business to admit, you see, they actually got you on a lock you're automatically just cut off. So for all the potential customers out there, just to let you know uh, that this is the reality of ExploreNet. They'll, they'll dangle you, they'll have you fixing your satellite and costing hundreds of dollars before they'll admit they've actually got you on a lock in a computer. Supposedly, once your names fit into it, just cuts you off as soon as you start uploading. So I get about five, ten minutes per night of not but half the speed to the claim that they give you and then it just goes down to dial-up speed. Then you've got to restart the computer again. That clock's on with another number, and then you've got another few minutes of half-decent speed, and then down you go again. This is constant with them, constant with exploring it. But it's big business, and, they, and then rather than increase the bandwidth for their customers as they bring on new customers, uh, they just cut down the existing customers' usage. That's what they do for profit. Just let them know what happens. 
And also, too, remember, you bring me to you, you the listeners. I'm not funded by anybody. I'm not promoted by anybody. This is not a career. Uh, and believe you me, it's seven days a week from morning till night. And uh, the only reason I'm doing it is because it's a must be. It's a must be to share this information as we go through the greatest changes and the culmination of a plan that was set an awful long time ago, down on paper, and put into action long before we were born. Although we certainly are going through the very fast-paced changes. They've been incremental, very Fabian up till now. Now they're dashing ahead like crazy. And since 2001, that was a kickoff for all the changes. We're living through it. Back in a moment after these messages. Agreement as part of the United Nations again to further this world government 
with all financial sectors dealing directly with, with the International Monetary Fund, a, pr- a private organization, mind you, International Monetary Fund, has destroyed more countries you can ever imagine, especially the third world, through massive loans with massive interest rates and all that kind of thing, knowing they could never pay it back. It's a weapon. It's a tool. But it was set up to, take, to be the manager of all the finances of the entire planet. That was its function. And John Maynard Keynes talked about it. Part one, he said, and part two. Part two will come after he's dead. He said that. About 50 years down the road, well, here we are 50, 50 years down the road, and uh, after, after the Bretton Woods Agreement, and bingo, it just happens like clockwork because it's an agenda. It's a plan. And these guys, like well, any long-range business plans, stick to their dates and their timing. 2001 was to kick it all off. And we've been shocking odd almost to death, and yet they're only warming up now. Now, I've read before, when each time this, this Copenhagen meeting for the environment uh, comes along, they admit themselves, after the event, that they try and terrify the public of the world with the most scary scenarios. That's what these, their own t- the words use, scary scenarios. And here they are again at it, because there's one coming up. So we're seeing all over the media massive, scary scenarios, and the Royal Society is even in on the act now. They're a Masonic scientific organization that runs the world sciences, basically. That's how they were founded and given the Royal Royal Charter to exist. I've gone through their beginnings before. Here's an article here. uh, It's from the the Observer, and it says, Countdown to Copenhagen. Now, remember, they admit they use terror on the public. And the title of the headlines here is UN Plans Shock Therapy for World Leaders on Environment. Now, that's rubbish because, you see, all the world leaders are Fabians and they're all in on the act. They were picked to be the leaders, not by the public. And they're all only too willing to go along. That is their agenda. This is on the public, the terror. Pared Down Summit will force heads of rich states, rich states, as we're all broke, right, to listen to those of third world in hope of kick-starting radical action, it says, 20th of September 2009. And this is by Suzanne Goldenberg, who's running herself a cushy job as an environment correspondent. They all have environmental correspondence now, with little green logos, eh? Just before I read the article, I'll mention how, how things go in business for greening. Staples, that's where I sometimes go for stationery and stuff, and they had this massive sign up there saying that we're going green, Staples is going green. And I, I thought, well, what do you mean you're going green? Well, I found out, because the little discs that you get, the little covers you put on the disc, the paper discs, uh, the little paper ones you put on the, your, your CD and um, disc, etc., have, have been changed to half their thickness, they're like tissue paper, the same price. That's what they mean by going green. You know, massive profits all around for them. And a real hassle for you is to try to stick these things on with a print onto a CD. That's what they mean by good. It's everything about it is a big con. Everything. And it says, the United Nations. The United Nations is planning a form of diplomatic shock therapy for world leaders this week in hope of injecting badly needed urgency into negotiations for a climate change treaty. It needs to be global warming, but that kind of failed, so this is just changes in the weather. <clears throat> it, says, it is now widely acknowledged are dangerously adrift. The treaty is dangerously adrift. Oh, danger, danger. UN Chief Ban Ki-moon, where did they get these guys? 
and negotiators say that unless they can convert world leaders into committed advocates of radical action, and you better believe they mean this, radical action means we are going to get forced into radical action. It will be very hard to reach a credible and enforceable, enforceable, right, agreement to avoid the most devastating consequences of climate change, changes in the weather. As a digital counter ticking off the hours to the Copenhagen summit, which has been supposed to seal the deal on climate change, hit 77 days today, progress at the UN summit in New York is seen as vital. I wish they'd simply give it its own island and float it off somewhere, that UN in New York there. Quite the history, go into who, who gave them the land and what the land was used for before they built the, the, the towers there for the UN buildings. Talk the occults. It's all there. It says here, nearly 100 heads of state and government are to attend the summit for which a pared-down format has been devised. I guess that's in simple speak. We need these leaders to go outside their usual comfort zone, said one diplomat. One diplomat, we don't even get their names. Our sense is that leaders have got a little too cozy and comfortable. They really have to hear from countries that are vulnerable and suffering. Then he goes on and on and on. Uh, mentions Al Gore that shared the Peace Prize with uh, Rajendra Puchori, head of the inter- Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. These are the guys who have been given the duty of enforcing the, the, the idea that the Club of Rome came up with to control the world, under saving the environment and the world, we're going to take all your rights away and tell you how to live and breed and what to eat and all the rest of it. That's what it's all about. Quite something. Commenting on the leaders attending the G20 summit in Pittsburgh next week, see how they all time things to come together at the same time? He said, we need to remind these people about impacts of, of weather changes. Sometimes it's raining, sometimes it's sunny. I added the last bit. The fact that they're inequitable and fall very heavily on some of the, most, the poorest people in the world, we are likely to see a large number of failed states if we don't act in time, they say. Now, the IMF, as I say, uh, was never set up to help the poor. They've devastated most of the countries. South Africa went through into democracy and out the other side, just like that, when they found out it didn't exist. And that the big international corporations had the same deals going with, with, with the same boys at the top. And they're as poor as ever. The International Monetary Fund that gives out these massive loans and forces them into uh, what they call uh, chemical farming, when they must buy all the chemicals to keep the, the soil going and, and grow the veggies. And before you know it, they cannot pay it all back because of the massive interest rates. Then in comes the IMF and runs their country for them. That's how it works. That's, what it, that's how it works. You know, when Maggie Thatcher was in, it was declared after she was out of government that most of the time the IMF had been running Britain because it owed so much money and couldn't pay off its debt. They're the heavy boys. You send in the heavies, you see, put in behalf of the bankers. And every country's agreed that you must do what IMF says. But this is, again, here's your shock and awe, your typical shock and awe, and you're going to get awful terrifying scenarios pushed at you until this is, uh, we go through this uh, Copenhagen agreement again and ratify the radical changes that they have to put through to, to make sure that we all follow. Because we're all going to get taxed individually for the carbon output that it takes for everything that you buy. Do you know how much it costs to make that donut? Do you know how much that cost, how much energy went into making that donut? 
and you're going to pay and pay for that donut. If you think there's a hole in the donut, that's going to be a hole in your wallet. Believe you me, this is the most incredible form of slavery. I always think of slavery because one of their boys, you see, was, um, apart from the whole Darwin line, was Charles, uh, Charles Galton Darwin. In the 1950s, he wrote a book called The Next Million Years, outlining the whole eugenics plan for the whole world and the drastic depopulation plan they'd have to enforce somehow. Either through putting stuff in their food to kill them off, injecting them with it, or putting it in their water, even, making them sterile. And he talked on behalf of all the elite, you see, who already ruled the world. And he said in this book, there has always existed slavery in one form or, of, or another. We're simply creating a new, more sophisticated form of slavery. Well, guess what? You're seeing it being implemented right now. Back with more after this break. Now, whenever you see uh, all the media in different countries got, get on board with the same propaganda, and that's what it is, is propaganda, you see, uh, then you know it's all coordinated, all coordinated. And even some of the, the ones that seem to come out uh, on behalf of the people and, and shoot up there uh, then end up doing this strange curve, you know, and coming around as well. Here's Breitbart, Breitbart, who said a lot of good stuff in the, in the past. And here he is, basically, just putting out a, a UN propaganda release. And this is from September the 21st. Unchecked population growth is speeding climate change, damaging life-nurturing ecosystems, and dooming many countries to poverty experts. Experts concluded in a conference report released Monday. Remember what Lord Bertrand Russell said, we'll train the public to, to listen to experts. You know, he names now, just experts say. It's, it's all been done. We've lived through it. It's been done. Unless birth rates are lowered sharply through voluntary family planning programs and easy access to contraceptives, the tally of humans on Earth could swell, and it could not, right? It could swell to an unsustainable 11 billion by 2050. They warned, you're the unknown they. The UN currently, the United Nations again, you see, currently projects that global populations will rise from 6.8 billion today to between 8 and 10.5 billion by mid-century. It could, you see, or it will. Where's their data for it? The researchers, researchers said that with one and a half million more humans climbing aboard the planet every week, our recipe is looming for ecological overload, famine, and broken states. Now, remember that last article I read, the first article, how they give you shock and awe, and they admit it after the conferences, that they, they, they grossly exaggerate everything to terrify the public in going along. So this is what all this stuff is. Then this goes on and on, this particular article here mentions different characters involved in this present UN hype. And it says, continued rapid population growth in many of the least developed countries could lead to hunger, failure of education and conflict, said Malcolm Pops at the University of California in Berkeley, which hosted the conference in February. The paper is authored by 42 specialists in environmental science, economics and demography are published by, and here you go, the Royal Society, Britain's de facto Academy of Sciences. See, anybody who's made it to the top in science at all, been pushed up there, uh, has to be a member of the Royal Society. Interesting history, I say, occultic history. 
Francis Bacon joined it. Others joined it. You had to, if you were married, you couldn't, you couldn't be married. You had to put away your wife and family, disassociate yourself to become a brother. There's a Masonic organization, you see. They guide the world. After all, if you only have progress, you must guide which direction you're going in, right? That's why all your tax money went into creating the pill. The pill, the birth control pill. Because they tried the music, they tried the drugs, they tried the booze, the miniskirts in the 1920s, the roaring 20s, but the fallout was incredible. They had all these unwanted pregnancies and orphanages springing up all over the place to take care of it all. They went back to the drawing board, use your tax money, and put it all into guiding the sciences along one path to create a birth control pill. Then they came back with the, the 60s, miniskirts again, drugs, booze, and rock and roll. Simple, isn't it? And you think it's all coincidence. It says here, there's no doubt that the current rate of human population growth is unsustainable. It's the unsustainable, summarized Roger Short, a professor at the University of Melbourne in Australia. Then they go on and on and on. And then they give you their targets. See, don't be put off either by their targets. They mean across the whole planet. They head Africa. They blame Africa. 98% of the expected population growth will occur in developing countries, especially in Africa, where numbers are set to double to almost 2 billion by 2050. How Niger is going to feed a population growth from 11 million today to 50 million in 2050 in a semi-arid country that may be facing adverse, it may be facing adverse climate change, adverse weather, is unclear, said Adair Turner. I want to say in relations to Ted a member of Britain's House of Lords. The population of Uganda was 5 million in 1950, is 25 million today, and could reach 127 million by 2050, Turner said. They don't tell you that between all that time, millions of people moved into Uganda, and then when, when Idi Amin was in, millions moved out, and then millions moved all back in again. They're always having trouble in Africa and moving the people. But again, they don't tell you these little things, do they? Concern about population growth is not new. No, I mean, Kissinger passed that bill when he was in. He really ran the government when Nixon was in. And Kissinger put out that bill where he said that the greatest enemy to the state, and he meant the world too, was overpopulation. And he went into action to find ways to bring down the third world. They had a list of all the third world countries they'd have to bring down in population. There is a big agenda at work here, but it's not just the third world, so don't fall asleep back home. They mean all of you too. You know, all of you with junk genes, the ones who haven't quite made it and backstabbed your way up to the top and brown-nosed your way and so on. You're all junk genes. That's what they mean by that. And even in this article, praised Thomas Malthus, the liar, I said that, who in 1798, when Earth was home to about one billion, how would they know? They didn't take the census there. In fact, you know, the first census in Britain and the UK wasn't taken until two years after Malthus published his, his paper. It doesn't mention that here. It just picked numbers out of the air. And Malthus's job, working for the British government, was to make sure the plantations had enough slaves but not too fit and not too bright by using their diets restricting them back with more after this break you're listening to the republic broadcasting network 
because you can handle the truth. This is cutting through the matrix. We're cutting through all the nonsense they give us for a supposed reality, you know, the fake reality, the one that the media gives you with American Idol and all the junk that they feed you constantly to keep you involved in trivia and to really, uh, you're subconsciously being trained that you're being governed. You see, it's called governance. And you're not to be involved in, in deciding anything for yourself anymore. Any major things that happen in life, you leave it to the big boys above you, these faceless people and often nameless people, except for the few that they give you to prattle on about. Uh, but allow it them, the experts, to deal with all the big things, and your job is to obey. That's the new governance. That's what they mean by governance. The Club of Rome said democracy was just just too untidy. They, you couldn't, they couldn't get their agenda through with all these competing factions and, and people with rights and all that kind of stuff. So they'd have to do in a different way, post-democratic, they call it governance. Training the public to accept they're being governed by a better class of people. Simple, isn't it? Pretty simple. Pretty simple. And a long time ago, as I say, before you were born, they set up these organizations and they even said... In the Club of Rome, it's all part of the big conglomerate of foundations that, are, uh, that deal with philanthropy on behalf of the big global bankers. In other words, it's a parallel government to get their agenda through under the guise of helping people. They help you by taking all your rights away, but they give you peace and safety. Very old trick. The United Nations... This is from March 27. UN climate change plan would likely shift trillions of dollars to form a new world economy. March 27, as I said, 2009. A United Nations document on climate change that will be distributed to a major environmental conclave. Now, do we get invited to these conclaves? You see, these are non-governmental organizations, most of them. That's how the big parallel government runs the world, through NGOs financed, well-financed, from the big foundations. This is the conclave next week. Envisions a huge reordering of the world economy, a huge reordering of the world economy, likely involving trillions of dollars in wealth transfer, the transfer of wealth. Remember that's part of one of the planks of the Communist Manifesto. Who funded the communists in existence? The international bankers did. That's just fact. Read your histories. Says millions of job losses and gains, new taxes, industrial relocations, new tariffs and subsidies, and complicated payments for greenhouse gas. Of course it's complicated because no one is supposed to understand it because it's bogus. So greenhouse gas abatement schemes and carbon taxes all under the supervision of the world body, the United Nations, the organization that no population on the planet voted into existence. It is a corporation that's meant to run the world. Carl Quigley said it, remember, a new feudal system run by international corporations. That's the plan of the Council on Foreign Relations. It says here, these and other results are blandly discussed in a discreetly, discreetly worded United Nations information note on potential consequences of the measures that industrialized countries will likely have to take to implement the Copenhagen Accord the successor to the Kyoto Treaty. Now, when you're playing your trivia and all the rest of it and following Hollywood, 
and watching American Idol. This is the stuff they're running through. And every law means it's binding, and you will have to follow it. And believe you me, you are going to pay for it all if you allow it all to happen. People should be taken to the streets. Massive protests like has never been seen before in the history of the planet should be happening right now. Either that or you're accepting that you are a slave and silence really connotes consent. Legally. This is after it's negotiated and signed by December 2009. The Obama administration has said it supports the treaty process if, in the words of a U.S. State Department spokesman, it can come up with an effective framework for dealing with global warming. So he, he, he agrees with all this. That's why they put him in, right? The 16-page note obtained by Fox News will distribute to participants at a mammoth negotiating session that starts March 29th in Bonn, Germany, the first of three sessions intended to hammer out the actual commitments involved in the New Deal. That's a legal term, the New Deal, by the way. The first New Deal the U.S. saw was when FDR threw out the Constitution and gave you a New Deal, a new legal deal, a system. You see, government is a contract with the people and the government. It's an abstract idea which you tolerate and allow to exist as long as it deals fairly with you. That's the whole deal of government. This is a new deal. It's called governance. We say you do. It says, people don't really realize what they're reading. It's fascinating. And the stultifying language that is normal for important UN conclaves, I like how they say conclaves, the negotiators are known as the ad hoc working group on further commitments for Annex 1 parties under the Kyoto Protocol. Boy, is a, is a mouthful for you. They love this stuff. Yet the consequences of the negotiations, if enacted, would be nothing short of world-changing. Getting that deal alone has become the United Nations' highest priority. And the bond meeting is seen as a critical step along the path to what the UN calls an ambitious and effective international response to climate change, which is intended to culminate in the later gathering in Copenhagen, which is upcoming up now, you see. That's why with the shock and awe, like the first article I read. So we're all going into this massive slavery system. And at the same time, to say that they're pushing... Brown, the Prime Minister of Britain, said that he's, going to, he's talking about a new economic world order, the G20, that's coming up. The U.S. has just said the same thing. Here's a U.S. one here, Monday, September the 21st, from Reuters. It says, it says here, uh, the United States will urge world leaders this week to launch a new push in November to rebalance the world economy. But there are, maybe that's what's given the earth the wobble, as we spin, eh? But there are doubts national governments will bow to external advice. A document outlining the U.S. position ahead of the September 24th, 25th group of G20 summit meeting in Pittsburgh said exporters, which include China, Germany, Japan, should consume more, while debtors, debtor nations like the United States, ought to boost savings. That means consume less. <laughs> the world will face an anemic growth if adjustments in one part of the world, uh, the global economy are not matched by offsetting adjustments in other parts, said the document, which was obtained by Reuters on Monday. The framework drafted by U.S. policymakers, I love how they don't even need names anymore, uh, 
foresaw analysis of G20 members' economic policies by the International Monetary Fund to figure out if they were consistent with better balanced growth. We call on our finance ministers to launch the new framework by November, the document said, signaling a determined effort to maintain momentum for change created by last year's global financial crisis. The United States envisages the International Monetary Fund playing a central role in a process of mutual assessment by making policy recommendations to the G20 every six months. The IMF is going to rule the United States. That's what they're telling you right there. And you'll have to put in a report to them every six months. And you have to consume less in the U.S. while other countries have to consume more to balance out all this stuff and to balance out their, 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 their carbon, this invisible stuff that no one can weigh, measure, or anything else. But what a great con this is, isn't it? A fantastic con. Who would have dreamed? Who would have dreamed? You know, one time when, when they came up with indulgences in the Catholic Church, you could pay, you could pay for your, your, your deceased to get to heaven a bit faster. If you keep paying, they pray for you. Otherwise, you're stuck in a sort of limbo, like slow motion. Not quite there on earth, not quite up there in heaven. You're kind of stuck there, like in glue. And the more prayers are said for you, the more another step, another step towards heaven, you see. But that's where they got all this idea of carbon from. They, they looked at previous religions. And if people would swallow that for thousands of years, they'd swallow this one. And the new global uh, scientists, the high priests, the white coated, the experts, you see, that have lied consistently to us for a political agenda, have no problem with it. And they're all over the place, telling us they're, they're BS, you see. They're bothersome stuff. But anyway, that's how they do it, you see. Non-governmental organizations, that's what governance is all about. The Soviet system was run by, on the surface, for the media, by non-governmental organizations, committees. That's what Soviet means, ruled by committees, councils. The only difference is, of course, the leaders of the NGOs are picked by the Politburo. And the U.S. are picked by the power government, the foundations that set them up and fund them into existence and give them pension plans and great wages and fly them all across the world. None of them are grassroots. They're part of the big agenda to enslave the entire planet and everyone on it. Except the boys at the top, of course. They're bosses. And then to, to top it all off, you've got Prince Charles, who's a great supporter of the Ottoman Population Trust, another private foundation, you see, that's advising the British government on how to depopulate uh, their country and, and the rest of the world. Here he comes out, this, this goon, he's a goon. Prince Charles is a goon. I can remember when they couldn't find a job for him. They said that the prince without a function, because the queen was the queen, you see. And they tried to find reasons for him to exist. And they, so they put him into buildings for a while, architecture. And so he talked about architecture and ugly buildings and stuff like that. Uh, but now they put him into the green agenda, you see. And here he is on the Telegraph, the newspaper of the Telegraph, 22nd of September. And this is Prince Charles, the guy, I can remember when an article on the paper, but they flew his Rolls Royce across the world to attend a meeting. So his chauffeur could drive him from the airport to the meeting. And how much, how much fuel it consumed at the time, that was years ago. Here's Prince Charles urging people to abandon cars 
in favour of walking and use public transport. The Prince of Wales is urging people to give up their cars in favour of walking and to reduce carbon emissions. Nick shows him in one of his fancy, fancy cars in his Aston Martin, one of his toys, you know. The Prince, who has two Jaguars, two Audis, a Range Rover, and still drives an Aston Martin, given to him by the Queen on his 21st birthday, said developers had a duty to put public transport and the pedestrian at the heart of their housing schemes. <clears throat> Speaking about the, the domination of the car over the pedestrian, the future King said, well, that will be the day. We must surely be able to organize ourselves in a way in which we are not dependent on it to such a great extent for our daily needs. You see, so there he is, is Prince Charles, you know, in on it too. All the big ones want this. I'm surprised Prince Charles didn't say, you know, we're bringing in a new feudal system with international corporations running the show. And I'd like to go back to the old days when we had all you peasants living in villages just raising crops for us, and, and, and it was so much tidier, and you couldn't go very far because you had no transportation. Well, you see, that's what Agenda 21 at the United Nations is all about. Believe it, that's what it's all about. A new feudal system. Now, I'll go to the callers now, and uh, there's, there's Kendall from Atlanta there. Are you there, Kendall? Yes, good evening, Alex. Yes. Yes. Um, I just called from Atlanta, Georgia tonight to let you know about the shock and awe routine we hit down here with uh, the weather warfare campaign down here. Yes. It kind of flooded out everything. <laughs> I noticed that there's nothing um, going on at the CDC campus as well. <laughs> yes. No flooding there. No flooding there. And it's interesting. And also, Dobbins Air Force Base either. <laughs> no, isn't it amazing that, eh? Uh, and oh, here where I am, uh, it rained every single day, June and July, exactly as it did last year. Sub, you know, subnormal temperatures. And then in California, due to governmental interference and in cutting down the water supply to the farmers, now they're getting a famine because they don't get enough water. Not because it's not, water it's because I've cut down the, 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 the water to the farmers. Yeah. And, and you can just see the targeted areas for this urban sprawl thing that, you know, they're complaining about. It's, it's, it's wild. You can see it's like all the poverty-stricken areas are flooded. The schools are flooded. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It is amazing. And what's amazing, too, I've watched this for years. They, they gave the go-ahead to sell lands that they're in floodplains about, oh, 20 years ago. And right. mainly for the poorer people. And so they move into these floodplains. And guess what? The first heavy rains they get, the rivers overflow and there's flooding. This is standard. I've watched this con game for years, and they show it on the news, <laughs> and then they terrify the world. We're watching this stuff saying, my God, you know, I guess the weather's... No, they didn't allow people to live on that land before because they are floodplains. <laughs> it, it was so systematic, too, how it happened. And in the middle of the night, all the thunder and the lightning that was just, like, man-made completely... And yes. then the Chattahoochee River just overflows, and it stops the main um, highway called 285. is like a loop around the whole city, and it stopped all traffic for the yes. whole day. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah, also, when I, on the way home, I see the big King's X in the sky ready for the next uh, flooding they're going to do this evening. Exactly. I saw the same thing in Alberta a few years ago. They'd flooded the farmers. It actually gave them drought for about five years. Uh, heavy spring. Every article they showed you with the farmers, you, know, you would see on the television the spring above them, the crisscrossing in the skies. Then they gave them a massive flood uh, uh, with the river overflowing. And again, even in the documentary on the CBC, there's all the crisscrossing above, the, above their heads as they're discussing this flood. Uh, and, and the public haven't a clue. It's, it's weather warfare. Yeah. Exactly. 
they're, they're targeting everything. And also, I, I, I watched some good predictive programming called Midsummer uh, Murders. It's an English uh, sitcom. Yeah. And it was one, it started in 1998. And one of the episodes there had a big chemtrail right there in 1998, right behind this big mansion. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it was hilarious. That's right. In 1998, uh, this definitely in most of Canada and definitely in Ontario, uh, that was the year they started to do it daily, spray daily. And I, I remember the first day I walked out and the whole sky was covered with, uh, there's about 20 planes in the sky. They were half the height as they are today. And, and, and it, was, it was like walking into a sci-fi set. Yeah. Wow. And this is, they call it the Southeast America, the God-fearing uh, country, huh? I guess yes. they are God-fearing. <laughs> well, that's right. We've got new gods, you see. Oh, and one more thing. There's uh, Bernays PR thing they're doing with the uh, the nasal spray for the flu for the vaccine. Yes. They put in like the number one college football team down here in the southeast, and the whole team on Sunday sprays their nasal thing, and that's how they're spinning that off down here. That's true, and that's also the reason that every article you've seen for months now about this coming swine flu shot shows you, at the top of the page, it always shows you an injection going into an arm to terrify you. Oh, yeah. And then you breathe oh, a yeah. sigh of relief, and, oh, my God, it's so simple. It's just going to be a little whiff up my nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Alan. I'll still keep the money going there. Thanks for calling. Yeah. All right. Hold on, John. I'll be back after this break. Yes, Alan. How are you doing? Not so bad. Hey, I just wanted to let you, uh, just a comment. I saw, um, I just finished reading a book last week, by William, the William Cooper book, mm-hmm. and uh, he had an article in the back. It was a reproduction of the article, yeah. and it said, uh, Big Brother's Coming, and it was written in uh, August 1st of 89, and one of the was, things was that, that it said... Was that the appeal horse, was it? Yes. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that it said, it was interesting because of all the swine flu stuff, and it said... Uh, other sources say that tiny transmitters can be injected painlessly from a tiny gun in humans without even them knowing about it through a nationwide vaccination program. All the government would have to do is make up something like the swine flu vaccine. Yeah. And uh, I found that interesting in there that he was talking that they, he was the actual article back in 89 about that. Yes. Uh, Cooper definitely was into a lot of good stuff. Um, and... He knew the agenda. There's no doubt he knew the agenda. He had his own personal problems. There's no doubt about it. But um, he certainly knew what the agenda was, and that's why they took him out, because he had a big following. He could motivate people into action, and that's what they didn't want. Uh, yeah, he so even talked him. about Bo Gripes. Like, he had a little thing about Bo Gripes. That well, Bo, Bo Gripes is, a, is a, a mason as well. Yeah, and uh, he, he was basically saying, like, Bo Gripes, he's like, I don't trust this guy too much, but, yeah. you know, let's just see what happens, you know, and then he started well, talking about it. Well, true, Bo Gripes used to be on Patriot Radio, and, and he would talk about uh, when he was in uh, the Special Forces, how many people he'd taken out uh, on assassinations. And, the, the, you know, I mean, an assassin has no, really, uh, doesn't fight for your country. An assassin is a, is a, a hitman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here he is. Um, with hip pocket orders, that he said himself he had hip pocket orders, 
uh, from the Pentagon when he left, meaning he never left, uh, running a Patriot show. And then, as I say, after 9-11, Bogue writes on t- television. They showed it in Canada here uh, on, the, on the congressional steps, saying he was going to see the politicians. And to tell them, he says, that it was these crazy, paranoid Patriot types, he said, that were responsible for blowing up the towers. That's what he said. It says that they listen to shortwave radio Patriot stations and, and believe in black helicopters. This is the same guy who'd been on Patriot radio and ran it, ran a good part of it for about four or five years. Yeah. <laughs> See, they give you the heroes also. often, and you've got to be careful. You've got to be so careful, you know. Oh, yeah. I have one last thing also. that uh, One thing I've been noticing a lot, because my wife watches TV, and I don't watch it as much, but every now and then when she watches I caught this commercial. It was a Kool-Aid commercial. And there was a part where a kid is catching a baseball in the air with his glove, and right above you see a chemtrail. I mean, it's a huge chemtrail. Yeah. And I've been noticing this a lot with a lot of these, especially with pharmaceutical commercials. When you watch them, you'll see chemtrails in the background all the you'll, time. You'll also see They even show it on news frequently in Canada. They'll show it even above Parliament building in Ottawa. They show us chemtrails. And it's to, it's to get us used to the fact that they're there and that they're just normal. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because at least now I got I got my wife into like every time she'll call me because she travels a lot. She tell me, "Oh, look, I saw one of your uh, your." She calls it chem chem lines, but at least she's seeing them now. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and as I say, when you've lived long enough and you remember what condensation trails were and how long they lasted compared to these ones. Uh, and plus, you remember when these ones started after they signed the Open Skies Treaty uh, worldwide, uh, that, that then you know the difference. And these things are not condensation trails. They're definitely chemicals. The chemicals come down sometimes in blobs when it, it gets a cooler weather. I watched one of the 12 feet white come down landing a tree here. And then, like cotton candy, cotton cane, it just eventually dissolved. <laughs> thanks for calling. Yeah, we live in Disneyland, folks, and, and my job is to try to break through into the true reality to show you we're living literally in the massive con game, a massive con game, where a different world body runs the entire planet and will never tell you the truth of, of where they're taking you or why. From Hamish, myself, and Chiro Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.